You're listening to Talks from the Apostolic Johannite Church. What do we do with this? Because again, the Platonic traditions are ultimately practical. You do something with them. Plato trained politicians to, to, to go out and lead the people uh, in, in good ways, not just to think about great thoughts and go, hmm, it would be neat if we did these things and then not actually do them. So this is the difficult part. It's kind of a mystery in the divine names and the mystical theology. Uh, Dionysius tells us at the very beginning of On the Divine Names that we are not allowed to even think, let alone speak, of the transcendent deity, uh, suggesting that even meditation is not his ultimate intention. Uh, I posit that as meditation is not the ultimate purpose of the mystical theology, Intellectual understanding is not the point of the divine names. He's not just describing God to us in all these different ways. We go, oh, I get it. And that's it. <clears throat> Instead, the overall structure of the Corpus uh, Dionysicum uh, suggests the answer to the question lies in the culmination of the Corpus in the discussion of the mysteries or the sacraments in his ecclesiastical hierarchies, the, the last book uh, of, of the corpus. Uh, now, this is not to say that contemplation, that theoria, uh, is not part of what Dionysius is talking about. Um, as divine logi and symbols, they have an anagogic function. You could meditate upon them in particular orders to raise yourself to God so far, far as possible. Um, but that's not the point. Through the contemplation um, of the names, the initiate Dionysius says, uh, the lover of piety, as he describes them, is able to access the simple and supernatural and elevated truth of the symbols. However, Dionysius is grounded in this later Neoplatonic tradition, which always favors theurgy over meditation. And this becomes clear in his ninth letter uh, to Titus, where Dionysius writes, Besides, we must also consider this, that the teaching handed down by the theologians is twofold, one secret and mystical, the other open and better known, one symbolical and initiative, the other philosophic and demonstrative. The secret and mystical teachings are the sacraments, which Dionysius forbids, the prof uh, uh, forbids to the profane. We're actually talking about this on, on Thursday, I think. Why, does the, why are the profane expelled so late in the sacraments, was, was I think, the question. Um, and we see that we see the same sort of idea in, in Dionysius's liturgy that there's a whole bunch of stuff that happens, and then oh by the way you guys get out, um, and that was because there was stuff that was sort of common to everyone, and then here's the really mystical stuff, and you're not really ready for it yet, and it would be lost on you, and you might profane it as much as you could profane any divine thing, which let's face it, you really can't. Um, so get out now. <coughs> Uh, the symbolic nature of the divine names themselves uh, here serves as a veil uh, 
against the masses. We're going to throw out these names to you, and if you're not initiated into the tradition, you're going to have no idea what they really mean. They, oh, God's love, that's nice. All you need is love. Some, thank you, somebody. <laughs> so all this leaves the sacramental, hieratic, or theurgic rites holding the highest place in Dionysian practice, that his ultimate thing, where you end up, is in the sacraments. The mysteries, as, as he calls them, uh, are uh, quite arguably a form of what's called material theurgy. Uh, this gives the rites a direct connection to the theonemes, which are themselves cloaked in material symbols uh, and are employed during the mysteries themselves, including thanksgivings to the, quote, one beneficent source, the divine goodness, and the God who is all perfect. Uh, these names, for instance, are all mentioned in the discussion of the Eucharistic ritual. Uh, and according to Schaffer's system, relate to the terms of procession and reversion, which is actually quite apropos of the Eucharist, which is to bring us back into Christ. But it doesn't take us far enough. Although the divine names may be accounted for, the denials and the negations of the mystical theology are not. Uh, as these are neither simply linguistic tricks, uh, and because we are told the unknowable God uh, to which they ultimately lead cannot even be thought about, uh, let alone spoken of, it does not appear Dionysius intends this mindset uh, to be used, again, as theoria, or even theurgy, it seems. Uh, this would be impossible as they do not make use of material symbols, and his sacraments rely on these material symbols. And... All that would be true if the mysteries contained only a single material uh, aspect, which on the surface they seem to do. But the contemplations for, for each uh, of the services, uh, Dionysius includes a section called Theoria or Contemplation, where he describes sort of the inner stuff that's going on. I, I talked about some of this last year uh, in relationship uh, to the Synaxis or Eucharistic ritual. Um, <clears throat> and so, but the, these contemplations show that each rite, uh, they're dual aspected. Uh, and this is best seen in the mystery of Synaxis. Uh, uh, this ritual is described as having an inner and outer element. The outer element of the ritual uh, works through the mystical symbols. Uh, and it is through these the congregation participates in the life of Christ. Here's the wine, here's the bread, my, fl my flesh, my blood. But the presiding hierarch participates in the mystery immaterially. Before even the chalice is revealed, the hierarch is described as already being in communion with Christ. So that even before anything's happened, that unity is, has occurred. But there's no symbol being used to do it. There's no name being used to do it. But the hierarch has assimilated himself to the transcendent Christ already. This immaterial element of the mystery of Synaxis, uh, of which only the hierarch participates, is important here. 
material theurgy is the most written about of the hieratic arts. Iamblichus' um, De Mysterious, his entire book on, his entire surviving book on theurgy is 99% about material theurgy. Here's the stuff that most people who engage in this practice do. They deal with physical objects that contain divine things in them, but they access those divine things through the physical things. <coughs> but there are two higher forms of theurgy that are mentioned without being described in Iamblichus, and really not described anywhere else as well. Uh, there is what he calls immaterial theurgy. And then this liminal thing that has elements of material and elements of, of, of immaterial. Now, all theurgy in, in, for the polytheist engage, is engaged with um, sacrifice, sacrifice, sacrifice um, which is why it works so well with the Eucharist, uh, too. Um, and so the question becomes, well, okay, I, I, how does immaterial, how do you sacrifice immaterial things. Um, and, of course, Amplius doesn't tell us, and he doesn't tell us specifically because if you are at the level of immaterial theurgy, no rules apply to you. You already know. You are already so close to the divine or your daemon or some higher being that nothing any human tells you is, is relevant whatsoever. The people who need all the rules are those of us who are down here at the level of material theurgy. Uh, Gregory Shaw suggests that it might be numbers, as, as a Pythagorean concept. So it would be sacrificing the forms, basically. How that works, I got nothing. I'm still down here at the level of material theurgy. Um, and then the, there's that median one, and I suggest that what's going on in the synaxis, it is actually that middle level, that the hierarch has the symbols and uses those symbols, but there is part of what's going on is done immaterially as well. And it is through that immaterial element uh, that the hierarch assimilates himself uh, to, to Christ. <laughs> but where does this leave us? Well, it doesn't leave us at the unknown and unknowable God. It, it cannot. Maybe immaterial theurgy does, and Proclus seems to suggest that it does. Iamblichus, not, not so much. Um, but not only have we not arrived at this unknowable God, I don't think we're supposed to in Dionysius. Uh, I, th I think this is inherent in the apathetic theology itself, uh, which can never get us to God as God, as the ineffable one, because it's ineffable. Uh, Dionysian denials set God apart. The negations point to God's incomprehensibility. We are, it seems, always distinct from the one. The celestial hierarchy and the mysteries help us bridge the gap between us and the ineffable, but only so far as possible. That is, if you can't tell, my favorite platonic phrase. And this is seen, I think, through the mysteries. Uh, baptism in the Eucharist work to save us by assimilation towards the one, Dionysius says. Not in the one. 
during synaxis, the hierarch might noetically participate the transcendent Christ, but that Christ, though transcendent, is still not treated as the one itself. I talked about this two years ago, I think. You were all there, right? Remember it well, or you were asleep. That's good, too. Um, the one itself is always beyond reach. There is still a unifying effect to the mysteries. Each one brings us closer to God, makes us more God-like as individuals and together as, as, a, as a group. But individuals cannot ascend to God because God is the one, not many, and we are the many. The mysteries, by being many, allow us to participate God through the theophany rather than through God itself. To go behind our, or beyond ourselves as individuals, to become more God-like, some sort of union must be necessary to come closer to God. Finding the oneness in ourselves brings us closer to the oneness of God, and both Iamblichus sort of onward, um, and it's, it's already implied in Plotinus, they, they say that that can kind of happen. Uh, Proclus suggests that the one, the monad of the soul can become one with the monad of the one, and thus there is this sort of henosis at, at the highest level. Uh, Iamblichus says, uh, no, Iamblichus wants to keep that ontological gap and says that at most we can, the, the, the monad in the one can connect to the monad in the gods, and that's as high as we go. In, Dionysia, in Dionysius speak, that would be through the angels, um, that we can raise spiritually through the ranks of the angels, though we are always below them, uh, ultimately, but we could only go so far. The gap between us and God uh, remains. Uh, but this idea of, uh, of finding the oneness in ourselves, bringing us closer to the oneness of God, um, this is, for example, the purpose behind uh, the initiation of the, the miron, the, the, the anointing oil. Um, the contemplation of its parts, we're told, brings us to its oneness. The chrismation is one of the two perfecting mysteries, along with synaxis. The synaxis holds an even more elevated position, it seems, and is treated as the monad or unifying principle of all the other mysteries, that every mystery that is performed, according to Dionysius, must be finished with the Eucharist. Otherwise, it remains incomplete. <coughs> And this is told, and this is told us right at the beginning of the chapter on, on the synaxis. But again, only so far as possible. How far this communion and union with God can take us is problematic. Uh, the Dionysian mysteries are formed again; uh, they're material theurgy, so they can only take us to the height of material reality, as it were. In polytheistic Neoplatonic theurgy. Uh, this can bring us about union with the visible gods that the Sethians hate. Um, and then union with the one through them, but again, not with the one itself. Uh, only the highest immaterial theurgy, which Dionysius doesn't talk about at all, 
and is only performed by the rarest uh, of, of so pure souls, is capable of this union of the one, if it's even possible. Uh, and even this may not be with the one itself, but through the one in the, the noetic gods, the highest level of the divinity in, in the pleroma. Uh, all there, there are hints of intermediate theurgy in the synaxis. Uh, this is only approachable by the hierarch, so the rest of us are basically out of luck. But Dionysius doesn't promise us union with the one. This is not part of anything that he ever says. Uh, at most, we might become purified and purifiers, images of light and workers with God, perfected and perfecting as what seems like a manual of instruction for those engaged in material theurgy, perhaps this is all we can expect. If there is a higher theurgy in some unpublished or secret Dionysian uh, text, uh, it seems irrelevant to what the corpus is really trying to get at. Uh, and if there is, it is in practical terms irrelevant. Uh, the Immaterial theurgy, as I said, uh, sacrificing numbers or, or ratios or divine names or whatever it is that, that uh, they're sacrificing, as I said, has no need of instructions. So if you were at that level where you could become one with God, Dionysius doesn't need to write you a book about how to do it. You should be able to figure out on your own. And if you can't, you're not actually at that level. It's, it's a pretty good failsafe, actually. Maybe this is where the mystical theology eventually takes the purified soul. Maybe. Uh, but the overall corpus wasn't written for that person. It was written for us, or, well, for me. I don't want to speak for you. Um, it was written for the initiate, someone who's been brought into the, the body of the church, but at a much lower level. Or perhaps it was written for someone who must engage in these low levels, not for their own sake, but for the sake of others, others who, being so very far away from the one, are not concerned with the unknowable as itself, uh, but only what we can know of it so far as possible. About all I got. If I can end anything with as so far as possible, I'm happy. Yes, sir. I have a question, and yeah. this might be, say, over the, you know, when, when, uh, when you first started doing uh, Neoplatonist talks at Complex, I had no idea what you were doing. And I made no secret. This stuff is way over my head. But having the benefit of, you know, uh, reviewing the videos so that we can edit out our squares on this side, because you're always great up there, um, you know, I get a chance to digest, actually, as I was saying somebody earlier, I get a chance to rewind and, and do that. So now I'm trying to... Uh, uh, with, with where we're at here, I'm trying to wrap my head around one particular uh, uh, concept. Now, there, I think we discussed before there was an issue of whether or not Sudi uh, uh, D <laughs> was, was actually uh, PDO. Yeah, yeah. Well, was actually Christian or not? And and and, and I, I I had to write this down because you know my brain is not wired for theology, and there's no secret of it. Um, Earlier on, you mentioned that the, that the higher doesn't possess the qualities of the lower, it, it, it emanates, right? Mm -hmm. Is that right? Yeah. And, but the names have being, being of their own. They're, they're their own things. 
so um, given that, and I, maybe you can't confine the, the answer to CBD, but, um, and maybe this kind of, you know, dovetails nicely into a spaces talk, how is that not polytheism? Um, so the question is, we have all these divine names, and they're all things, yeah. and how are they not all gods? Because the divine names have being, God is beyond being. So if, if from a monotheistic perspective we're talking about it, it becomes a little more complicated when we start talking about, like, Iamblichus, who has the gods have being. Um, because the divine names have being, they might be on the level of the angels, but they must be below the level of God itself. So we could say they're God-like, but not that they're God. Yeah, yeah, but, but they're not ultimately God. Yeah, well, technical terms are important. Yeah, yes, sir. I have a, what I, probably is going to amount to a niggling technical question, um, and probably is ultimately of either very little or sort of catastrophic import. Um, when you say that there is no cataphatic God in, uh, in, in, uh, Pseudo-Dionysius. Is that an ontological or an epistemological statement? Is that a question of, of whether there is this thing or whether we can have any comprehension of this? Thing? Yeah, I don't even understand. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm trying hard. Um, I, on the assumption that I understand your question, and it's an assumption, uh, I would say it's ontological. There is none. God exists fully. God exists fully yeah, yeah. beyond. That, that whatever God is as God ain't here. There, there is no God in God as God in manifestation. Then I let me ask a, a very peculiar question. Because that, that was totally normal. Yeah. Uh, if you've met me, it is. Um, <laughs> this is true. Is it possible for this God that can only be known negatively to know itself positively? That's a, His grace just asked the Joey question. That's the biggest curveball. Um, guy by the name of Pearl takes that up. And it's been a couple years since, since I've, I've read it. Um, in, see, Plotinus struggles with this. Mm -hmm. And Plotinus, mm -hmm. by combining the first and second hypotheses, he says, yeah. yeah, yeah. All of the other Platonists after, well, after Porphyry, they seem to say no. That, that whatever God knows, it's not as, if God knows something, it's not as we understand knowing. Right, and that was, that was sort of where, where my question was, is, is, knowing a, is knowing a capacity that even makes sense in the context of the transcendent one. Yeah, and, and I would think, given the idea that the, the, a being does not contain that which it produces, that it's it probably not. Yeah. That, that if we use the word knowing, we're using it in a way so that we can kind of grasp at something, but is probably completely inappropriate. Okay. Um, does that make sense? Your answer to Grace's question. Um, 
if if that's the case that, that God isn't here, you know, like I mean, is that like a, a Zimzum uh, type of type of deal? And to clarify for for everybody else, I mean, that would be the Lurianic Kabbalistic idea that you know, and I'm probably probably going to butcher this, but you know, I I can uh, I can do it. God was you know absolutely everywhere, so there was no space in which to create, and so God removes God from uh, a portion of Godness, because that's all there is, in order to have a space yeah. to, to work with. So kind of, you know, pulls back a little bit of the realm and says, I'm going to do something here. And so that the, 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 the presence of God we experience would be akin to, I think, what Donald Craig said, the scent of the rose that has left the room. That, that's why there's that sense presence, but God isn't actually there. Is, is that the case here? Um. Well, in in the the, the concept of simsum, um, it's the series of it means contractions. Yeah. Um, so there's God is all there is, and God's hey, I want to make stuff. Well, there's no place to do that. So God goes, <gasps> um, and it contracts itself, and then places a beam of light of its essence into this contraction, which then expands and expands and, and expands. What a lot of the Kabbalists say after Luria is that, well, where God creates a space, that's only from our point of view. From God's point of view, that didn't happen. So I, I, what I would say from, from what Dionysius is, is talking about, because God, Dionysius says God is, in, is all in all. The the the, the Plata- uh, Proclus, uh, in uh, in his on his on the hieratic art says you know God is 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 in the gods are in all things, but they're not in all things as themselves. They're they they're in all things as that which they have produced, um, and I don't know if that actually answers your question, but I think that's what Dionysius w- would say. Uh, God is here. But it's not God as God. It's God as God's name. It's God as God's revelation. It's God as all the stuff that God has created around us. God's in all of that stuff, but not as God itself, because God can't be. Does this ultimately lead us to uh, Gregory Palamas' uh, distinction between the essence and the energies um, I think so. That's very Aristotle. Yeah. Uh, and the, yeah, and uh, actually, Iamblichus in uh, De Mysterious, when he's smacking down his former teacher, um, he he says, "Well, you know, we can't know God from its essence. We can know God from its activity, and then maybe through its activity, maybe we can understand its power, but never itself." Um, so. Yeah, uh, we could talk of creation and the divine names as God's activity. That's God doing God stuff. And we can sort of see God doing God stuff, but God is sort of behind the curtain. Pay no attention to God behind the curtain. So, the, yeah, I just wanted to clarify. So the, the means of transmission, say, of Gnosis to the human being, right? Mm-hmm would be through one of these names, one of these emissions of wisdom or something like that that is but is not. And through the angels. I, I, I didn't go into the, the celestial hierarchy very, very much, but the order of the angels, each 
they are well, they're divided. There are nine orders of angels. For those of you who have not been reading along, I guess. Nine, uh, seven. Nine. 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 Eight. Nine. Uh, which are each divided into three, three sets. So there are three different orders within, within each in three groupings. Um, each of which, it, the, the top one deals with perfection, the second one with illumination, the, the bottom one with purification, which then does that, then the, bot the, the bottom one of the top group purifies the top one of the next group down and sort of trickles down to us. Um, and that's actually where Dionysius places the sacraments, that you've got that God thing and the angels and the sacraments and then the hierarchy, and the ecclesiastical hierarchy, and then the, us heathens and possessed people and, and people like that. Um, so it seems like it's probably a combination of the activity of the angels and the activity of the divine names coming together in the sacraments that bring us up. He doesn't use the language of, of gnosis, but the other Platonists certainly did. Um, and it's going to be through those names, through not the names, but through participating in those names, which is a word that is almost impossible to actually understand, so I'm not going to try to explain it. Uh, just go yell at E.R. Dodds for it, because he's the one who uses that, he's the one who initiates using that translation. Um, it is through this participation where the bit of God that's in it connects to the bit of God that's in us that corresponds to it, and we sort of become one with it, and then gnosis can occur through there, through the, uh, the, the inter term intuitive knowing, uh, which is divine knowing, where the gods are described as knowing things not discursively, but as itself, so a complete non-thinking knowledge of something, you just know everything about it, which is how I usually describe gnosis, so, so far as possible. So far as possible. I always find a very important phrase. Well, you've got to pick up the Latin version, pro tanto, pro tanto, as far as it goes. As opposed to pro tanton, right, which yes. would be different. Yeah. Just smelly. But useful. But useful, yes. <laughs> now, is that the knife or. Well, in comparison That's to reindeer. <laughs>